This is a well-known psalm, Psalm 42. The author, the author's name is kept from us. Some will suggest it was David. Some will say it was Hezekiah. It just struck me yesterday, both these men were kings. Now, it doesn't matter who the, the author is and probably have done us a favor in keeping his identity from us. It just means we don't get carried away with the man, the writer, but rather we can give closer attention to the sentiments he expresses. And uh, you can see from what he says that his greatest desire is simply to know the Lord in closer fellowship. And beloved, can we say from the outset, if our own hearts can't express this same sentiment, then we're either backslidden or not saved at all. We don't say that lightly. How many of us today can honestly say and mean it, my soul thirsteth for God, for the living God? What a world we live in. Look at the state of this world today. Men are going out of their way to deny God. They don't want him. They don't want him in government. They don't want him in the schools. Every man wants to do that which is right in his own eyes. And uh, we live in a day of much lawlessness. But I'm glad to see you in God's house today. But can I ask you, as you were leaving home this morning, what was the prime thought in your mind? Was it, I'm going to meet with God? Or am I going to Guildford out of habit? Because people will expect to see me there. Now, I'm not judging anybody. It starts with the preacher's heart. Why are we here today? Have we come that we might meet with the Lord? Are we willing to do business with God today? Are we willing to allow the Lord to change our hearts if there's need for change? This word thirsteth, it's a very emphatic word. It's first used over in Exodus 17 verse 3 where the, the children of Israel turned against Moses. You know the history. They complained about the lack of water in the wilderness. Exodus 17.3, the people thirsted there for water, and the people murmured against Moses and said, Wherefore is this that thou hast brought us up out of Egypt, to kill us and our children and our cattle with thirst? Some of you may have livestock, and you'll know how much they need water. And if they don't get it, they'll make a bit of noise. It's going to let you know there's something not right. Uh, and if those same animals didn't have water for weeks on end, well, you can imagine uh, they'd be roaring their heads off. That, that's the kind of thirst the psalmist is describing here. That, that word panteth, it means to bray or to howl. He's not thirsty, of course, for water. He's literally crying out for God. Such are the pangs of his longing after his Lord. He's in desperation to meet with God. How many of us know anything about the experience? Here's a man. For some reason, he's missing the Lord's presence. And he must have him at all costs. Those of you who are married and, let's say, middle-aged, I'm not going to look in any particular direction. Remember those courting days? Whenever you met that dear one and... Uh, You'd have gone out of your way just to accidentally bump into that one. It seemed that every couple of days you were absent. It was like a month. I was there. I know what it feels like. And um, 
we were just pained to get, to get meeting with that dear one again. But how many of us pine after the Lord like that? Let's never treat God lightly. He desires our company, often more than we desire His. Meaning, hasn't He saved us? Doesn't He provide our every need? We have his word that, that he keeps us in safety. He leads us. He directs our steps. Assuming we commit our way to the Lord. And doesn't scripture exhort us in all thy ways acknowledge him? And he shall direct thy paths. There's nothing the Lord wouldn't do for our good. And unfortunately, we limit him all too often. We don't enjoy him. We don't. We don't covet his blessing the way we should. You know, the Lord is more willing to bless his people than they are to be blessed. That that can't be right. But if we look at this subject for a moment, three things are suggested here that we should give consideration to. And let's just for a moment, shut out every other distracting thing. Let's focus upon the Lord. Notice here the desire of this man's soul. He's seeking God. Verse 1, as the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. According to the English dictionary, the, the word heart here is the name given to the male of the red deer family when it reaches the age of five years. I don't know why that is, but I'm told that's the way it is. But I, I, I'm just wondering, is the psalmist suggesting here that a five-year-old can pant after God? I mean, isn't there, isn't it a lovely prospect that a child likes to pray, wants to seek the Lord? Don't you love to hear children in prayer? They, you know, the, the, the child comes and they, they don't come with any big highfalutin words or phrases. If, if you have children in your home and they need something, they're not going to launch into a whole oratory about what they want. They'll just say, Daddy, Mommy, I need or I want. They tell me when I was growing up, I needed everything. I didn't want anything. I needed, even if it was only sweets, I needed them. But the children have a boldness. And the Lord expects his people to come with holy boldness. How we could learn from them. The innocence of children asking the Lord for blessings is an education and a challenge to the rest of us. They ask and expect to receive. And yet, when we get older, don't we complicate things? And we, we get the Lord all, all confused as, as to what we really want. Sometimes we confuse ourselves. We hardly know what we want, and we get all mixed up. Lord, I need this, and if it's thy will. Well, I mean, the Lord says, ask and you shall receive. And if it's for your good and for his glory, you'll have what you ask. Simple faith. Mention the deer here, when a five-year-old... Deer are known to live. Now, some will live to 11 or 12 years. Some may live to the age of 20. So five is either a quarter or, or maybe nearly half of their life. How much, what percentage of our life, beloved, do we spend panting after God? How many of us give a quarter or half of our time? communing with the Lord in prayer. Isn't it funny how some people in this world can pant after position, power, possession, 
They, they, they want to be seen as front runners. Maybe God doesn't want them in the front line at all. They'll pant after those things that one day they'll have to leave behind. But can you imagine this heart, this, this deer, going for a long period without water? Picture those animals roaming out. If you watch any nature programs, you, I'm sure you've seen them. They roam in packs on the wide open terrain. The amount of green vegetation may be very limited. And even then, they don't have all those square miles of grassland to themselves. You have to share the territory with other beasts, such as the, the lion, the tiger, the hyena. Animals that kill to live, kill to eat, and would very soon make a dinner of the, of the deer, the heart. So it's nothing new for a whole herd to have to run for their lives. They are swift on their feet, but sometimes not swift enough. The inevitable happens. And even without being hunted, at times the, the place is so dry, we've seen pictures of parts of the earth where the ground is dried up and cracked, cracked open because there hasn't been any rain for some prolonged period. Vegetation is scarce. And the, these animals maybe have to travel for days before finding water. So you can understand how important a simple drink becomes. But can you put yourself in that position? That dryness in the throat the want of moisture, the pain that it caused. This is how the psalmist sees himself thirsting after God. This is a rare experience. He must have the Lord at all costs. His existence depends upon it. Do we know anything about it, beloved? Is such an experience common with us? Have we ever been in a situation where we've said, I, I must have the Lord, give me Christ or I die? Oh, how we, we, we know what it is to pine after amusement, don't we? We can happily run after the shopping expeditions, the trips to some place of entertainment or pastime, but how much time do we give to looking for and longing after the Lord? Just how much do we appreciate what he has done for us? If you're saved, are we content to... Get what, what, an hour on Sunday morning? Two hours if you come back in the evening? What about Monday? Tuesday, Wednesday? The rest of the week through to Saturday? Some people, some people who are anxious to lose weight, they have a, a gastric band fitted. Causes the stomach to accept very little food. No, there's very little fills them. And as a result... The weight is lost. But how many of God's people have such a skimpy diet that what they get on Sunday morning seems to keep them going all week? Can that be healthy? Does our spiritual appetite match our physical? It would appear here that the psalmist has been put into position He's not able to get to the house of God for public worship. Now that could, that could apply to David when he was on the run from Absalom. He don't be seen in public. His life was in danger. That might, however, also apply to Hezekiah when he lay on his sick bed and was sure he was going to die. Couldn't get out to God's house. And isn't it the truth, beloved? If you are unwell and you can't get to the Lord's house on, on the Sabbath, isn't it a long day? 
Well, thank God if it is. It's a good sign if you miss the Lord's house. We know that because of COVID, we had those restrictions when we couldn't get out to God's house. And unfortunately, whilst we rejoice that we have technology that allowed us to get the services into people's homes via the medium, it taught some people a bad habit. And there are some who still haven't got back into the fellowship of God's people. That's a sad thing. You need to pray for them. Pray that the Lord will rekindle that desire. Talking to a neighbor of ours just the other day. And he has two daughters and he said they got into the habit of staying at home and now he can't get them back out to church. That's very sad. Some people will argue, well, the Bible doesn't command us to meet twice on the Lord's day anyway. But if you read Exodus 29, you discover that God did command his people to make a sacrifice in the morning and again in the evening. Now, I know we feel for those who are unwell and can't get out. Some are in nursing homes. Any one of us could end up there. It must be... It must be an awful situation to be in. To, to have that longing to be able to go to God's house and can't get out. Let's never take for granted what we have. Every morning when you get out of bed, you say, thank God I'm able to get out of it. Thank God for the desire to come to the Lord's house. They say you never miss the water till the well runs dry. And here's a man... And he's in that situation. We really don't know. We're not given the details as to why he couldn't be among God's people. It may have been health reasons. Maybe something else had, had crept into his life where he'd got out of sorts for the Lord, maybe lost the desire to come. We don't know. But he has reached a point where the enjoyment of communion with God is now the greatest and most urgent need of his soul. Now, he did say that the writer here, if, if it's David or Hezekiah, both men were kings. We've got a new king this week in this realm. Pray that the Lord will give him a desire for the things of God. We thank God for the testimony his mother has left. Now there'll be times when maybe because of her position, Maybe the queen couldn't always express her, her love for the Savior, but there have been those occasions when she's been able to say something for the good of the Lord Jesus Christ, and she has left us that assurance that she was trusting him. We've seen pictures with her with her Bible, and she's read scriptures. Many people fear for Charles. Well, if it's any encouragement to you, you'll know that being the Prince of Wales as he was, he had property. He also has connections with Cornwall. I don't understand all the, the ins and outs of it. There's the Duchy of Cornwall where he has, uh, as I understand, a vast estate. There's a man who manages that estate for him. That man's a Christian. I've spoken to a man who knows that individual. Charles has visited that estate in Cornwall on numerous occasions over the years. 
And this dear man has had opportunity to be in one-to-one conversation with him and has shared the gospel with him. And Charles has shown an interest. He's asked questions. This man has given him CD recordings of gospel messages. And Charles has listened to them and commented on them. So there's a seed being sown. And it gives you something to pray for. That, the Lord, that God will save the king. How many will sing the national anthem? Maybe don't even realize what they're singing. God save the king. The Lord can. The Lord needs to. Here's a dear man. He's just another sinner. Yes, he holds a highly important position. But he has a soul that needs to be saved. Pray that God will use that word that he has already heard. And if he's been thinking about it and asking questions, then there's some spark of interest there. Pray that God will cause that seed to germinate and bring forth fruit. What a difference it would make if we had a king upon the throne who would boldly take his stand for Jesus Christ. Wouldn't that make a difference in Britain? I know he has spoken in the past of multi-faiths and he has to show respect for other religions. But wouldn't it be marvelous if this man got a hold of the truth? God saved him. It could be the means of revival in this land. As I said, the the, the queen, when she was living, she, she couldn't always attend places where she'd maybe like to. But she had a, a fairly close relationship with Billy Graham when he was living. Now, I, I don't want to open a can of worms. People have their thoughts about how Billy Graham ended up. Listen, there was a time when Billy Graham preached faithfully the word of God. And the queen loved to hear him. And she didn't go to his... Uh, crusades when he was over here but she had him come and preach in her own private chapel she invited him, she had dinner with him they shared the gospel around the meal and uh, she rejoiced and did the, the last time that uh, he preached in her presence he was talking to her afterwards and says you know I, I nearly preached a different message on John chapter 5 and she says I wish you had because that was her favorite chapter. Who knows what the Lord can do for Charles? He's able. Here's a king. And give him his God. And he's as content as any heart that at length finds that water hole where its thirst is quenched to full satisfaction. Deny him his Lord and his heart palpitates in his breast. His frame is convulsed and he gasps for breath and pants like one who's run a marathon. You ever felt like that, beloved, about your Lord? Does God mean that much to you? Presumably he means something or you wouldn't be in his house today. Maybe you're so used communicating with the Lord, so used talking to him in prayer, so accustomed to sharing all your innermost feelings with him. Maybe, maybe you've not, never thought what it would be to be without him. You'll understand how those who abuse themselves with drugs, they, they crave after more. They, such is the effect upon them. They do anything to get another fix. Just can't get by without it. You know, the addict doesn't enjoy what he's doing. 
It's just that once the body tries these things, the craving is instant and he, he can't get away from it. But when the child of God gets a taste of Christ, a real taste of the life that he gives, oh, he just has to have more of him. Oh, that we might crave after him as the addict does after his habit. In his presence is fullness of joy. At his right hand are pleasures forevermore. Beloved, when it's natural for us to thirst after God, just as the heart thirsts after water, then we can say it is well with our soul. You notice secondly here the, the dismay of his soul, missing God. Verse 2, my soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? To thirst there means to have a craving for drink, accompanied by a dryness in the mouth and throat and an eager yearning for water. To be totally without something to wet your mouth for a prolonged period, it, it, it can lead to all sorts of problems. It's a dehydration, which in turn can lead to a loss of the senses. But do we really know what it is to crave after the Lord as one craves in those dire circumstances? Such a craving is a mark of grace. And beloved, if we had that craving, we'd be in revival. My soul thirsteth for God. Now it doesn't say he's thirsting for the blessings of God. Precious though they are. Much as he loves that. He's not thirsting for the Lord's temple. Though that would be a good thing. Not for his ordinances important though they be. But for him. For God himself. Just for who he is. Why, why does he thirst after the Lord? Because God lives. And has given him life. He has something for the good of the soul. That, that this world can never give. And anyone who tries to satisfy his soul. On anything in this world. Is going to end up disappointed. Multitudes have proved it. David said in Psalm 63 verse 5. My soul shall be satisfied. As with marrow and fatness. And my mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips. Verse 7. Because thou hast been my help. Therefore in the shadow of thy wings will I rejoice. The Lord Jesus said to that dear woman at the well. If thou knewest the gift of God and who it is that saith thee give me to drink. I would have asked of him and he would have given thee living water. Oh thank God we have tasted the living water. We don't need to drink any more at the broken cisterns of this old world. Before. Again, it brings us back to the question, are we as thirsty today as we were the day we were saved? Is our salvation no more than fire insurance? Maybe this writer was in such poor health he couldn't bring himself to seek the Lord in prayer. You ever feel like that? You know, if your health isn't, there's no substitute for health and strength. And if you're not feeling at your best, yes, prayer can be difficult. We acknowledge that. But don't get down under. Because when you're in that situation and you feel you, you just can't bring yourself to pray, the Lord knows all about it. And he will have his people remember you. He'll put it upon somebody's heart to pray for you. Be encouraged. The Lord will not forget you. His promise, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. 
And if you're, not, if you're in a position where you can't really pray, such as your health situation, maybe temporary, yes, but if you're in that situation, the Lord will have somebody lift you up before the throne of grace. Never let such occasions get you down. Whatever has come between the writer and the Lord here, He's reached the place where he just longs to be able to get back to the place of fellowship. Just to come before the Lord and be seen of him. He's thirsting after his blessing. You seek from God a greater desire after himself. For your own spiritual good, for the good of your children and your children's children. Beloved, It has to be said, if we allow carelessness to come in about the things of God, if the believer gets careless, if a parent gets careless, then it can't expect children to follow follow the things of the Lord in their own strength. Children imitate, and they watch how parents are behaving. And if parents are careless, they can't expect the children to be out and out for the Lord. When you think of it, if it, I'm not suggesting this is going to happen, but if it did, supposing everybody in this house were to get half-hearted about the things of God, and I can't be bothered, once on a Sunday will do me, and I'll not bother with a prayer meeting. In a very short time, this place would become an overgrown, eyesore, an edifice of neglect and the object of scorn and mockery in the community. Behoves us all, doesn't it? To be vigilant. Keep our eyes on the Lord. And I mean, the, the days in which we are living, there's so much against the things of God. These are days when more than ever, need to be seeking the Lord for the outpouring of his Holy Spirit upon us. The desire of his soul, he was seeking God. The dismay of his soul, he was missing God. But notice lastly here, the delight of his soul. He's trusting God. Here's a man, and he's really going through the valley. My tears have been my meat day and night, he says in verse 3. Well, they continually say unto me, where is thy God? Now, it's bad enough when the child of God has to go through some some dark valley in his spiritual experience, but now people are sniping at him. And they're saying, where's your God? As if to suggest that God has left him. In verse 4, he reflects on the times he used to enjoy the Lord's house, and he says, when I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me, for I had gone with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with a voice of joy and praise, with a multitude that kept holy day. By comparison, those days were like days of revival. Those were the times when he rejoiced the most. But as we said, you never miss the water till the well runs dry. And here's a poor soul and he's driven to tears. For whatever reason, he can't get out to God's house. We consider that none of us is getting any younger. Stands to reason. The future of this church lies very much in the hands of the youth of today. Thank God for young people in our midst. Encourage them. 
I was speaking to one of our ministers one day, and he, he tells me that about 80% of his congregation are at the midweek prayer meeting, and most of them are young people. Well, you praise the Lord for that. But if you're older, encourage the young folk. They come in for too much criticism. Encourage young folk. Help them along. They're trying to find their feet in the Christian pathway. You, you'd be there to help them along. Give wisdom and guidance. Young people need to seek after God, and thank God they can. And if you read into the history of Ireland, you discover that just, just over 100 years ago, in County Mayo, there was a thriving witness for God. Gospel was freely preached. Many souls were being won to Christ. Churches in that county were well attended and hundreds of people were known to be walking with God. There was something of a spiritual revival. That, that's only a hundred years ago. But today, there's practically nothing in that county. There's no trace of that sort of work uh, going on today. Uh, and it brings home to us the awesome truth that every generation needs to be seeking the Lord for their own benefit. Every generation is responsible for its own spiritual well-being. And let all ages take note. The last time I was down at the National Ploughing Championships, I had a, some families come in from County Mayo. Long story short, it was a a man and his daughter got saved in the tent. And when we asked about where they would go for spiritual nourishment, they said, well, there's no evangelical witness near us. This is County Mayo. Isn't it sad? Saved, but nowhere to go that they could find fellowship. They would have to travel quite a considerable distance to find anything that resembled evangelical preaching. Well, how we need to, don't we take a lot for granted? need to pray for people in those areas. Now, God blessed this witness back in the 60s and 70s, but many weren't in that generation. That's why we say to our young folk, you need to be seeking the Lord for yourself, for your own benefit. The responsibility lies to each one of us to keep up that momentum. It's the Lord's work. There's something for everybody to do. Our prayer meetings ought to be the best attended meetings of the week. And let's learn then to hold on to the Lord for the present and the up-and-coming generation. Do it while you have the health and strength to be able to be at God's house. It's too late. We end up in a nursing home. Can't get out. And I'm not asking you to do it for the benefit of the minister or the session of the church. It's for your own benefit. Every individual. Now notice how the psalmist prays here. Verse 6. Oh my God, my soul is cast down within me. That, that term cast down, it means to be couched over, to be sunk in depression. Beloved, if you get away from the Lord, you're guaranteed to be miserable in yourself and probably make everybody around you miserable too. 
And the only way to break out is to get back to the place of prayer. The writer here remembers times when he used to walk that hill country in sweet communion with his Lord. The memories of those times now bring refreshing to his soul. And see, he starts to talk to himself. He caught himself on, as they say. Matters were put right between him and the Lord. And he concludes the psalm by saying, Look at me, all cast down, down in the dumps. And for what? Oh, soul, get a grip of yourself. Hope thou in God, he says. For I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. Got a fresh glimpse of Christ. No matter how far down he may have been, he knows the Lord will never leave him. And so he anticipates God's sweet presence to be his abiding portion. God is faithful. God is love. And if the scoffers want to say, where's your God now? He has this blessed assurance. He's here. He's waiting to deliver me from your discouragement. He, he's standing by to rescue me from your hands. And with that glad, that glad statement, faith closes the struggle. He's a victor in anticipation. His heart is firm. The saddest countenance is made to shine when he takes the Lord at his word. He recognizes the emptiness and casts himself upon the Lord and goes on his way rejoicing. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God. For I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. Is there somebody here and you're feeling a bit down in the mouth? Life getting you down? What's wrong? Are you out of fellowship with the Lord? Oh, cry to the Lord that he'll give you that desire to pant after him as the heart pants after the water brooks. Consider what the Lord has waiting for you in heaven. Consider how he can use you before you get there. Matthew 5 and 6 says, Blessed are they hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Oh, may the Lord create within us each one that, that, that thirsting after himself, just for who he is. Let us, beloved, be encouraged. God has blessings in store if we were just determined to come and let him bless us. Read that 11th verse over and over. Why art thou cast down on my soul? Why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him. The Lord's not finished with you yet, beloved. He has much blessing for you yet to enjoy. And the secret to enjoying him is let him. Stop depending upon yourself. Don't get down under your own circumstances, but let the, if the, no matter what your circumstances are, the Lord has ordained that this is where you're at. But he's brought you here so that he might reveal himself to you and that you might prove him in your circumstances, prove the sufficiency of his grace. And God encourage you, press on, keep looking up and uh, rejoice in what you have, not in what you haven't. Rejoice in what you have and let the Lord bless you and make you to be a blessing.